0: Good morning. Um, it is Lagba Omer, Tufshin Pei, 5780. A beautiful day here in Atlanta, morning time, a little chilly, just right. And I'm recording this um, as a re-recording of some of the ideas I expressed last night in my Zoom class that was not recorded properly. And I want to add to that also. So uh, it's uh, Lagba Omer. Lagba Omer is a curious day in the Jewish calendar. It's a very celebratory day. There's something in the air that lifts people up. It's kind of hard to pin down exactly what that is and where it comes from. But it is a very significant day. In Israel, the common greeting uh, that's here on the radio and that people exchange interpersonally is Lag Sameach, instead of Chag Sameach, but with a Lamed, Lag Sameach. And that's always said with like a half smile. And that greeting itself speaks to the curious nature of the day. Um, on one hand, there is a lot of cause for celebration. There's a lot of celebration. Uh, on the other hand, we're not really sure what it is and not really sure exactly where it comes from. It's not in the Torah. It's not in Halacha Um The traditions of the unique and powerful celebratory nature of the day is rather um, recent in the scope of Jewish history. And yet, it's something that uh, is is really, it makes, makes a deep impression, it makes a ripple. The fact that you have in Meiron, the burial place of the Tanara Bishun Bar Yochai, in Meiron you have something like 600,000 Jews ascending, celebrating, uh, exchanging blessings and greetings and davening and dancing uh, over the course of the day is very significant. There's no other gathering like it. There has not been a gathering like it um, like since, almost since Matan Torah, since the giving of the Torah, except for a few levayas funerals of, of great uh, Tzadikim and Gedolim over the generations. But this happens every single year. I mean, we just made a, see a mashas this this past winter, um, the finishing of mesachas of, of Shas Bavli, and that was the finishing, finishing of the Daf Yomi cycle. And that was an amazing display of celebration, of commitment to Torah, and there was so much made of the fact that he had 100,000 Jews gathered in a stadium, and here you have 600,000 Jews who come to one area in one day every single year. So there's something significant about that. There are some who kind of cast aspersions on, on that and wonder, like, where it comes from, how is it that it became its own yontif, it's not Sukkot or Pesach, it's not, um, it's not a dirabanan yontif, like Chanukah or Purim, yet it receives a lot of attention, a lot of of celebration, a lot of positive spiritual celebration as well. So in the realm of Halakha, there's not much on it. Uh, It's a day that uh, Halakha uh, rules that we don't say Tachanon. It's a day when tradition has it that the the deaths of Rabbi Kiva's students, who we mourn during this time period, the many students that perish between Pesach and Shavuos, according to many traditions, they stopped dying on this day, on, on Lag Omer. Either they stopped completely or there was a, a temporary pause. So we can understand that would change the mourning nature to a less negative uh, uh, feeling of the day, but that's not the reason, it doesn't really explain why the celebration. The celebration is really, uh, I guess it, it stems back to... Um, to the idea that this was the day on which Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai passed away, and even though usually a day of somebody's passing is uh, is one that is marked by mourning, in this case it's quite the opposite. It kind of takes us out of the morning period, and that's because uh, on that day Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, tradition has it, uh, revealed much of his esoteric wisdom. Um, which became later known as the Zohar formed the bulk of the Zohar, and, uh, and the many generations of Sod, of deeper esoteric style analysis of the Torah that, that it spawned and that he spawned. Um, and we can point to this day as being sort of the point in time where that Chelek, that portion of Torah, was revealed and has since become, has since carved um, its own, um, presence in the contemporary Jewish psyche in a major way, and in a way that uh, is indispensable, in a sense, within the grand scope of our Vodos Hashem, of our service of Hashem. The connection most specifically between Rabbi Shimon Ba Yochai, Lag BaOmer, Meiron, uh, there's a lot to talk about in the history and how that developed, but what I'd like to do here in our short time together um, is to mention two aspects of the life accomplishment, um, things we know about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, that perhaps we, Lufi Arcano on our level, can access and can learn from. And maybe there are some themes that we can pick up on and try to understand why is it that there is something that tugs at the heart, that pulls hundreds of thousands of Jews uh, towards a central point of celebration of connection on this day. So the the two points that I'd like to speak out, to flush out a little bit. Number one is the the idea that's represented by Rishon Baruchay, that the bigger one becomes, the lower one is able to see. That's Yesod, that's um, lesson number one. Lesson number two is the importance on connecting to the point that goes beyond the physical—that's lesson number two. So, lesson number one, um, Rabbi Shimon Bar made an extremely bold and unusual statement in the Gemara in Sukkah, Daf He Amebez, forty-five B. Rabbi Shimon Bar said, "Yachol ani leftar es kol ha'olam min hadin." I'm not reading that, that's from memory, I might be a couple words off, but what it means is he says, I, I Rabbi Shem bar I am able to exempt the whole world from from judgment, from suffering judgment, from the day that I was created until now, till I made this statement. That's a very bold statement, even for Atana, uh, even for a Talmudic sage whose ways we can't really understand and even as i speak about him in this short class um, just everything comes with a disclaimer that these people were for us not really people they're almost angelic and our analysis of them and their personalities and their styles is constrained by the limited nature of our minds and our hearts and our souls and really doesn't represent who they were at all this goes for any time we speak about sages on this on this level but with that disclaimer in mind, Rabbi Shimon made a very, very bold statement. Where does that statement come from? How, how could he mean that? What, what does that mean? So I'd like to approach an answer to this by referencing one of the most famous stories about Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai. Uh, it's in the Gemara in Shabbos, on Daf Lamed Gimel, actually 33, like Lag Ba'omer. So Lag in Shabbos uh, recounts the following story in which Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai was having a conversation with two other sages, um, I believe it was Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi, and they were talking about the Roman government and um, what the appeal of the Roman government is, and if they're good, or if they're not good. Rabbi Yehuda said that they're wonderful, they build bridges, they help, uh, you know, society function in that sense, they have, you know, they, they're able to maintain infrastructure for us to function. Rabbi Yossi didn't say anything, and Rabbi Shimon said, it's not true. Everything that they do is only for themselves. There's nothing good, there's no kernel of good in, in this government. And somebody was there, he informed upon Rebbe Shimon for his words, and Rebbe Shimon became persona non grata, and worse, he became public enemy number one, and his son number two, uh, and the Roman Rom government was out for his life. So the story goes that he and uh, his son, Rebbe Lazar, went to go hide in the base Medrash, they were learning Torah, Bishima's wife would come and, and, and uh, bring them food and help them survive. After a short time, he realized that it's not a sustainable situation. She, they might get found out. So they ran and hid in a, in a cave. Um, when they got to the cave, there was a carib tree and a spring of water that miraculously appeared in order to uh, feed them. I don't know that that really fit with the FDA's food pyramid, but somehow it worked. And they, they were in the cave. They learned Torah with each other. It says that they, um, they wanted to spare their clothing, so they, they uh, dug in the sand, buried themselves up into their necks so they would be concealed, and they would talk to each other, and they would learn Torah. At the time, Torah wasn't written down. It was Torah Shabbal Peh. It was Torah on the tongue. Uh, it was written on the Luach Libam, li, 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 on the tablets of their heart. It was something that was pulsating through their veins and didn't need to be written down. And they would learn Torah together Buried up until their necks in sand. They would come out to uh, to pray, to daven. They would put on their clothing. They would save their clothing, clothing for davening, and then they would take the, their clothing off to try to spare the clothing and go back to their holy work. Um, it says that, uh, the gemara goes on and says that they left the cave after 12 years. Elio and Avi came by and informed them that the uh, death warrant was was up. The decree had been annulled and he was able to come out. So they, Rabbi Shimon and his son, Rabbi Lazar, came out of the cave, and anywhere that they saw, they looked around, they saw people engaged in physical labor, physical things, and, and so to speak, meaning, not that we can really understand this, but they couldn't take it. Everywhere that they looked, the Gemara says, uh, they, would, they would burn up, literally burn up the, the physical things around them. They would see people doing physical things, and they would... Gaze at them, Rabbi Shimon would gaze gaze at the person, and, and would turn into a where it says a pile of, of bones, I believe. And a voice came out and said, "You, you, you know, you came out, you, you came out of, of your cave in order to You came to destroy my world. Go back in." So Rabbi Shimon and his son realized they had they had done something wrong. There's something missing, and they went back into the cave. They said, "But." Mishpat Rishon be Gehenem, that uh, wicked people suffer in Gehenim for 12 months. We have to go and fix ourselves for 12 months also. So they went back into the cave and studied Torah again. Then they came out a year later, and the world was a different place. They walked around, they saw a Jew who was carrying something like Shabbos, and even though he wasn't engaged in the the ultimate activity of avodas Hashem, which according to Rabbi Shem Bar is is Torah, is learning Torah as he said in the Gemara in in Brachos and other places, um, then uh, uh, even though he wasn't engaged in that, he was doing something positive, and Rabbi Shimon was uh, was very pleased with this. So the question is, what happened? What changed? What changed over the course of that 12-month period that didn't happen in the 12-year period prior? Um, It would be short-sighted to say that Rabbi Shimon's um, value in Libanat Torah over everything else had, had changed. Uh, for one, that would mean that all the, the statements in the Gemara where Rabbi Shimon uh, supported, promoted the value of lima Torah above everything else would be only before he went into the cave, uh, which, is, which is unlikely. But aside from that, it doesn't, doesn't seem to fit with, with the flow of the Gemara. So what was it? What, what did change? So I want to digress for one moment to get to something uh, to get to an esoteric point, which is not, um, which is fitting for the day, let's, let's put it that way, even though we don't really understand it. So there are several sources, kabbalistic sources, that point to the relationship between Rabbi Shun Baruchai and and Moshe Rabbeinu. As a matter of fact, there are those who point out that we call this day Lag B'Omer, thirty-third day of the Omer. The way we count, we at Beth Jacob and many other have the tradition to count. When you count Sfiris Omer, you count with a lamid. Lag um, le Omer, you know Hayom, Asara Yamim, Shehem Shuvah Chadushlosh Yamim le Omer. That's how we count. Some count with a bays, some count with a lamid. But even those who count with a lamid, whose nusach, whose um, way of of, uh, of reciting the um, the Omer count, even those who use a lamid, everyone calls it Lag be Omer. So why is that? So, an explanation that I heard is that Lag bi-omer with habayz instead of Lamid is Gemachia Moshe Rabbeinu. The numerical value is the equivalent of uh, the numerical value of Moshe Rabbeinu. And this hints at the notion that is mentioned in um, Hasidic and Kabbalistic sources that there's this relationship, that there's some sort of spark of the soul of Moshe Rabbeinu that was... Um, alive, that was uh, transmitted into the, embodied by, into the being of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Moshe Rabbeinu is responsible for giving us the Torah, uh, for giving us everything, for being our conduit to understanding what God wants of us in this world. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, on his level, on a much, obviously, a much different level, really more in the matter of revealing than uh, in creating something, um, he revealed an entirely new level of Torah, Torah's nister, the, the, so, the, so to speak, hidden Torah, secret Torah, which is not, doesn't mean it's secret from people. It just means that the, the language and the way in which it was transmitted um, gave it uh, what was done on purpose to keep some of these very lofty ideas and ideals um, out of the hands of people who, don't, who couldn't understand it properly and might misunderstand it. So the, the hidden Torah was the domain of Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai, and it was something that he revealed to the world in a certain way. Just like Moshe Rabbeinu, on a much higher level, revealed the entire Torah, Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai was like the Moshe Rabbeinu of Torah's nister. So there's this relationship between Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai and Moshe Rabbeinu. And similarly, Moshe Rabbeinu, you, there was never a person on this planet who reached a higher level of perfection or connection to God, greater than Moshe Rabbeinu. Nobody was connected to her more than Moshe Rabbeinu. And at the same time, nobody had a bigger heart and a bigger eye um, ayin tov, um, good eye, literally, than Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, even though there are plenty of times that the Jewish people throughout their sojourns in the Midbar, in the desert, um, were not doing the right thing. And they angered Hashem, and they angered Moshe Rabbeinu. Each and every time Moshe Rabbeinu came to their defense, um, you know, when he was trying to champion their cause, he sacrificed himself completely. He said, He said, If you don't forgive the Jewish people, then leave me out of the Torah. It doesn't just mean leave me out of a book. The Torah is the blueprint of the world itself. It means leave me out of that. A very, very strong statement, willing to give up everything to defend the Jewish people, even though they had sinned. He did not argue that they did not sin. And so we see from this this uh, example of Moshe Rabbeinu that somebody who could be so high, so connected, so lofty to higher spiritual realms can and necessarily at the same time is um, understanding and recognizes um, the need for forgiveness and recognizes, recognizes something about the Jewish people that even when they when they sin, they're still deserving of forgiveness, that there's still something there. So Perhaps that's what Rabbi Shimon learned the second time he went into the cave. The first time was the 12 years that took to gain that incredible connection to Torah that then led to his appointment as the generator, uh, re- the, the one who was appointed to reveal Torah's mister, the hidden Torah. But there was something missing. He said that the Mishpat rishoyim, the time that it takes for a rasha, to correct himself as 12 months in Gehenna, meaning he was pointing to the fact that there was something that needed correcting about himself. The Maral expresses many places, all over the place, that the idea of sin is something called header, it's something missing, there's something lacking, there's something not right about the world, about a person who sins, uh, about a sin itself. There's some That creates kind of a hole in in the fabric of the spiritual realm. And Rabbi Shimon said a, a, a Russia. Somebody who's wicked is somebody who has a lack. I have a lack. And just like a rusho who has a lack needs to go into Gehenna for 12 months to fix himself, I have to go uh, into, back into the cave to fix myself. And when he came out, he was on an even higher spiritual level. And as we see from Moshe Rabbeinu, the higher one is in spiritual realms, the lower one can go and still see good and still see positive There are many examples of this, many stories that I could tell, but um, we've passed the 18-minute mark. I want to get to one more idea for today. So that is lesson number one, the lesson that uh, the higher the spiritual realm, the deeper it can penetrate even lower depths, even people who are quote-unquote lower and see the richness and the beauty of each and every Jew, because after all, as is expressed in the Rambam and many 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 other sources, at the root of every Jew, there is purity, there's a soul that is is connected to God, even Jews that are far away, they have that inner core, that uh, untouched, pure, inner engine of good and of connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the more spiritual you are, and the higher you are, the more you can see that, and the more precious that is in each and every Jew that one encounters. It doesn't mean that the Torah should be watered down. It doesn't mean that it should be compromised. It doesn't mean that there are other paths other than the, the path of the Torah. What it means is when a person is high enough on the path of the Torah, they could recognize the good in in things around them, even if the, that good is not the highest of good. So that's number one. And maybe, perhaps, that's one reason why there's this kind of tug at the Jewish soul towards a connection to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and towards the notion that within each and every one of us is this inherent good, is this inherent connection. The second point is the idea um, focusing on the point of connection between the guf and the neshama. So let's start here. In the famous song, Bar Yochai Nimshachta Ashrecha, it's a pizmon, it's an old uh, liturgical poem, it's also a, a fascinating thing. We, we don't have a poem like that that we sing about Moshe Rabbeinu specifically. We don't have a poem like that about, about anybody that has uh, created such a central um, uh, place for itself in the Jewish calendar and in the Jewish psyche. And uh, it, it's a beautiful and it has many, many layers of meaning. There's one line where in that poem we say, Adam uh, The whole poem is about the godless, the greatness of Rishim Bar And this is a startling line. The statement HaKadosh Baruch Hu made at the beginning of time. When he said, um, at the beginning of creation, that, we will, that, that man will, will be formed. When he formed man and said, Which is written in the plural, which is not our subject right now. Uh, but he said, I will make man. Um, that was said for you, for Rabbi Shimon. So, that's startling. What What does that mean? Th- does it mean that um, billions of people were created th- from the beginning of time, and and Hashem, so to speak, didn't get it right until Rabbi Shemin Bar Yochai? That that can't be. So, so what does it mean? It, it It seems to mean that there's something about the concept of Adam. The Hebrew word and the reference to a Torah concept, Adam, which is which is something that Ribishin Varichai tapped into that we can learn from. That's what it means, Nasa Adam Bavarecha, that you epitomized the concept of, of Adam. So what is this concept of, of adam? The fi arcano, according to uh, where we stand with with our limited understanding, I just want to offer one brief thought of a large subject that needs a much deeper treatment. When we uh, one of the most frequent brachas that we make, this is an idea that I heard once from Rabbi Aaron Lapyansky. One of the most frequent brachas that we make is Asher Yatzar Esh Adam BeChachma. After one goes to the bathroom, one makes a beautiful bracha, um, asher yatzar, who formed man with wisdom. And the end of that bracha about the creation of man is Rofe Chabasaru Mafli Lasos. We bless Hashem who acted wondrously. There is something wondrous about this, about uh, the creation, the forming of of man. What's that wondrous nature? Mafril Asos, what is it? Tor, the Tor, the Halacha, uh, the primary Halacha Sefer, uh, cites a parish, an explanation that uh, you picture like a flask. Which is which is uh, full of wind, and it has many different holes in it, and yet somehow the wind is kept in. And uh, that's you know reference to the fact that a human being is created with many different openings and and, uh, and holes and orifices, and and yet uh, everything is functioning properly. The Rama, uh, after the uh, after seeing what the Torah wrote, added, and perhaps the two really flow together. Um, The Ramah said, what's being referred to here is the fact that when Hashem made man, He combined two different things that have absolutely no point of connection. There's the guf, and there's the neshama. There's the physical being, and then there's the neshama, there's the soul. And it's not like... Um, putting together two things that like really shouldn't be together it's like if you take i don't know take a small car and stick a huge engine in it and uh, it doesn't really make any sense and the car is spinning out of control and so those are two things that shouldn't be together and it's remarkable to put them together and it's interesting to see it doesn't really work this is something very different the physical and the spiritual have no connection to each other they operate on completely different realms it's um, not even like trying to operate Windows on a on a Mac or 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 vice versa, or a Mac operating system on Windows. This is something that it's. It, we even I can't even find words to express how different a guf and an neshama are. Uh, a guf, physical, um, temporal um, base, driven by instinct. Um, connected to nature in a certain sense, versus the neshama, spiritual, uh, within the higher worlds, connected to Hashem. These, these things have nothing to do with each other, and yet somehow, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created Adam. And Adam is that being that has both. It Adam has a guf, and Adam has a neshama. And when a person engages in physical activity in this world, he can utilize... One or two, uh, one track or the other. He can utilize his goof track, which he has, or he can utilize his neshama track, which he has. Someone can sit down to a to a hearty meal, and uh, you could see somebody who is sitting there filling up his stomach. And even if he's enjoying the cul- culinary skill at which the food was made, it's still a very uh, low type of activity. Or you can see somebody who is enjoying a Shabbos Suda, or who is is eating in order to sustain his guf so that his guf can then engage in spiritual activity and he can bring out the life in his neshama. So a person who's eating can eat for his guf, or that person could also uh, be eating for the betterment of of his neshama. And you have the same action, and yet it can take two totally different... uh, So you can have the same action, and yet that action can have two totally different... um, agendas, to totally different m- meanings. So the concept of Adam is the ability for a, uh, for a person to recognize that he has a guf and he has a neshama, and to choose to operate neshama to operate in this world with a focus on the neshama, to go beyond the physical realm that he is in. And with this very limited treatment of this subject, to, to understand Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai represented this notion that there's something deeper than than the physical nasa means that rabbi shem Baruchai was a symbol of the combination of the guf and the neshama and how the guf can be um, can be given over to the neshama and how the neshama really takes precedence and the guf can be catapulted into a world that is beyond itself that's the combination of guf and neshama story is told of rav naftali Mi rafshitz the rafshitz that he um, he used to watch his Hasidim dancing on various occasions and he'd look at their shoes and he used to say about one of them who was dancing dancing along he would say those are the feet of a malach those are the feet of an angel who is dancing and the next one would pass by and he'd look at the shoes and he would say oh, it's Baltashkis on the shoes he's wasting his shoes. So, the first one, and they're both dancing and they're both elated, but the first one was elated with his spiritual elation, was dancing Simcha shel Mitzvah, Ivdua Shashem B'Simcha. The second one was dancing because he was dancing, because it was fun, whatever the reason is, and his shoes could have been better used for something else. So, that's kind of how we, how we the, the challenge we have in this world. So, even as we approach this day of Lag B'Omer, and we have a Lag Sameach. Uh, that simcha should come from uh, th- this understanding, should come from shoes that are, um, the-, the dancing that we experience in our shoes should be, should be the dancing of a Malik and not the dancing of baltashkis. The uh, thing that we are focused on, that we cherish, is the godless in Torah that, that, brings, that then brings upon the recognition that the greatness of Torah, number one, brings a person to understanding how precious each and every Jew is, and, and really how precious we are, ourselves. And number two, that it is a point in which we are dedicated to rededicate ourselves and think about ways in which we can become more associated with our neshama, recognizing the tremendous opportunity, the mind-blowing opportunity that HaKadosh Baruch Hu presented to us when he combined, when he made Adam, with this combination of guf and neshama and charged us with identifying with um, our neshama and continuing in this physical world, but raising up the physical world, including ourselves, to become more and more spiritual. Lag Sameach, have a wonderful Lagba Omer and thank you for listening.